Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. You have to be a culture creator. So you, many of you have heard the statement that's been said many, many times that culture trumps vision. So the real truth is, is vision is about where you're going But culture is really more about how you get there and how people are treated as you're getting there and what's accomplished in the process in people's lives. That's what culture is. In fact, the best thing, the best way I know to compare culture, and some of you may have a better metaphor or a better illustration than this, but I like to compare culture, the culture that you create in your department, I like to to call that, that culture is more like gravity. You know, gravity's always going to work a certain way. So if I, if I were to take this and throw it in the air, most of you would naturally, you would naturally expect it to come down. Now, what would be a real surprise and what everybody would wake up and look up on is if I threw this up in the air real, real softly and it kept going up and hit the ceiling. Probably sitting here right, like this right now, I doubt if I threw it as hard as I could, if I could actually hit the peak right there, I might could, but it would take a lot of effort. In other words, you expect the law of gravity to work, and when I throw this up, it comes down. So, I don't know if I'm always going to catch it, but it comes down. What I like to call this, when we talk about culture, is creating organizational gravity. And you say, what does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that years ago uh, when I was a teenager, and boy, that was just a short time ago because I'm only 39, but uh, years ago, we had a family friend. We We had a family who was a friend of ours. And I'm not saying this in some real negative, critical way towards somebody, but it is a fact. What I'm telling is a true story, is that he was the dad, the father, husband and wife, They had three children. One of the boys was right around my age, and so we were friends. And the dad was really an abusive alcoholic. And I mean, he was legitimately, he was a legitimate alcoholic, and he was very abusive. And one of the things I remember just as a kid, I didn't have to read this in a book, okay? I I was a kid, I was a teenager. And I remember the, the young man that was a friend of mine that we went to, I went to school with, high school with, and I said to him, I called him by name, and I said, man, what's, you know, what's going on at your house, right? Because, you know, I'd go over there, and I'd hear him yelling and throwing things. And, and he would say, and he made this statement to me that I remembered ever since I was a teenager. And he said this. He said, well, you know, my dad, and, you know, he used a few four-letter words to describe the situation. And he said, but, you know, you know my dad, and I said, man, what's wrong with him? God, I'm just a kid, right? I mean, I knew he was drinking and alcohol. And he goes, man, he gets so drunk. And he said, the problem is, this kid's telling me this. He said, the problem is, Billy, we come home every day from school, and the problem is we don't know what to expect when we come home. 
We don't know if we're going to have a nice dad sitting on the front steps or if we're going to have somebody that's going to attack us and beat us up, you know, fight us all the time. And he said, we just don't know what to expect. Well, when you create cultural, what I call being a culture creator, and you create that organizational gravity, the idea behind that is that you create a healthy culture so people know what to expect when they come home. What happens is if you have, that may not sound significant, but if you don't know what to expect, for example, you haven't created basically a safe place in the context of your department and created a level of safety so that the organizational gravity uh, that people have, there's a certain security that will come with a healthy culture, but it's not just security. It's also, there should be a growth environment. Some of you have heard me say this. I heard John Maxwell say it back in the early 1980s. He said, most people live and die in a non-growth environment. So a good organizational gravity or a good organizational culture creates an environment where that people not only feel safe, but they also know it's a growth environment where they can grow. And so when, when we start creating something like that at that level, then it's real important that we understand that in that context, culture trumps vision, right? So we talk to the founder, we talk to Big Andrew, we get his vision, but then in your departments and in what I do in my role, culture is vitally important to the organization uh, so that people feel safe but they also feel like they can grow and progress and move forward. So those things are important. Now I want to tell you, when I looked at Paycom today and then I went through some org charts that I'm looking, you know, this organization is getting fairly large. So I will easily admit to you that sometimes I don't know what's happening exactly several levels down. I have certain ways I try to keep a pulse on different kinds of things, but I don't always know I don't always know what's going on down here or up here all the time. And the reason I share that with you is that, that, that you have to represent those things. Now, we have to, at the top, we have to represent them or the whole, the whole culture will be wrong. Let me tell you, one of the things that makes Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College so unique from a culture perspective is Andrew Womack and Andrew Womack and Jamie Womack. That's what makes it so unique. And if you don't think it's that way, go work in some other large ministries, then come back and talk to me. It's them and who they are and how they live and what they represent that make this place unique. And so what we want to do is create a healthy environment and a healthy culture for those. So here's a couple of steps on that. I'll give them to you real quickly. One is learn to communicate with employees, the ones who you work with directly, and do it honestly, regularly, and transparently. One of the things I think that creates a very negative, negative culture, because that's what we're talking about here, one of the things that creates a, a negative culture is the non-transparency sometimes of some leaders, and I like to call it transparency of communication. Now, I'm going to say this to every one of you, and I'm looking in the mirror talking back to myself. There are only a few times ever in the leadership of an organization where communication should be a commodity. And what I mean by that is this, is some people will use communication or what they know and they'll hold it 
and only use it at the right time, most of the time, to benefit them. But real healthy communication is transparent. That means that if, if I hear information, I get data, or I hear information, I should be willing, unless it's confidential, or there's some reason of, of, uh, of purpose and reason that I'm not sharing it, that I've been asked not to, or something like that, that communication should always be transparent so that people can hear the same information that you hear. What happens is most of the time when you allow people to do that in a healthy environment, most of the time they'll come to the same conclusion you come to and if, you, and if they do, then you don't have to sell them to get there. They already know it, they believe it, they recognize it. Sometimes they don't and that's part of leadership. You've gotta be able to get them there. But the other side of it is, is that there, you have to communicate with employees honestly, regularly and transparently. And I'm not talking about just me sitting in this chair talking to you about what's happening in the ministry. I'm more talking about what happens in our individual departments, in our individual teams that we have. There has to be transparency of communication. And so somebody said, well, I don't want so-and-so to find out. Well, you have to make sure you're using wisdom on what that sounds like or what that means. And quit using uh, communication and the information that goes with that communication as a commodity, learn to be as transparent as you can when you can. And then number two is combat negativity by sharing wins. Sometimes things, you just have weeks when things don't go right. You have to remind yourself and others, hey, there's some things that have happened very positively here that we need to make sure that we are celebrating and recognizing. The next one is you can spur what I call innovation and creativity by learning to recognize the good ideas that somebody has and creating a place for those to happen. You know, one of the things, uh, and I'm probably, uh, I might be stepping out a little too far sharing this, but I'm going to share it. I've now, I haven't been around Big Andrew as long as, as Stan and Donna, but I've been around him long enough, I think I kind of understand how he thinks about certain things. And there's certain things it really matter to him, and there's certain things that he, he really wants to make decisions on. In other words, it matters to him, and he wants to call the shot. Now, there's, there's things out here that maybe 50% of the time he'll want to call the shot. He came into my office today about something, and then he texted me and called me about something else, and, uh, and I asked him about it. He said, that's your decision. You make that decision. So over the years, I've been working with him, both in this role and before, I've learned there's certain, certain decisions he, he'll make and there's certain decisions that he, he'll go, that's your decision, you know, I don't want to think about that. And one of those is money, right? He won't, if he sees the finance meeting going on, he'll look in, he logs and he leaves. And uh, he never stays, no joke, he never stays. Doesn't want to hear it, that kind of stuff. I say that jokingly and affectionately because that's just kind of where he's at. But the point I'm making here is that I think when we're talking about this communication thing and understanding, when you're making decisions, empower your people as much as you can to make decisions. So when you're not, and I know I was talking about this earlier at the top, but when you're not using communication as a commodity, learn to hear from your people. So Dr. Radke very correctly teaches questions don't go down and answers come up. Well, part of what you're getting when the answers come up, especially if it's in a team setting, what you're getting is you're getting that, that uh, what I call transparency of communication. And then uh, the last one here that I want to share is create an accessible two-way pipeline for employee feedback. So one of the things 
that you need to do. Sometimes in my office, we're talking and we'll be talking about something kind of difficult and we'll kind of get into it and I'll either ask the question, I'll say, how we're doing? In other words, how's this working? Or sometimes jokingly, I'll say, how am I doing? In other words, in, in this communication, this, this two-way type pipeline for, for getting feedback. Sometimes I'm not doing well, sometimes I do better. All of this goes back to being a culture creator and a person who's setting kind of the standard. And let me say this, and I have to work on this one too because I sometimes Miss Becky has to remind me of this all the time. And you have to be reminded that you're, you're the thermostat, not the thermometer. And the thermostat determines the temperature. The thermometer registers the temperature. If you're always registering the temperature, then you're reacting instead of responding. Remember, it's not what, what, what happens to you, it's what happens in you. So you have to learn to be the thermostat. And sometimes I've missed that one. But when I do, Miss Becky always reminds me. Number four, the last one starts with a C, is capacity. So we're talking about these leadership characteristics. And when Andrew Wirtz and I did the last CEO update, we talked about in there being a lifelong learner. And one of the things that I just want to encourage you in is continue learning. Like if I were to go in this room today and I were to ask you, some of you to tell me what some of your outside interests are. And we were really going to hear what are your hobbies? What are things you like to do? You know, what are, what are those kind of things? And I got you to really be honest and start talking about it. There would be an excitement that would happen about some of those outside activities. Well, in the roles that we find ourselves in life, we, we need, there needs to be a level of excitement about learning even in our roles. And it, watch this now. It may not be specifically about the role, but it should be specifically about us. In other words, there's always something you can learn every day. There's something you can always improve in every day. There's always information you can get that you haven't had before. And it's not just information to fill your head, but it's information that helps you improve yourself and move forward in the different roles and places that God's called you to be. I don't believe any of us are here by accident. But one of the things that happens in ministries, and I want everybody to hear me because this one can be gravely misunderstood. Most of the time in ministries, if I look at, if I look at Karis, at Karis we have a lot of more, we have more ministers over here at Karis because this is a ministry and this is a Bible college. And most of the time in those kind of environments, most of the time people make decisions out of their gut, not out of information. I get more in a corporate environment uh, different places. People are not making decisions out of their gut. They're making decisions out of usually information or data and they try to analyze where they are and make a decision based on that. But the best decision makers are those that incorporate both. I call it head decisions and heart decisions. It's a combination of both the heart and the head. Now, what does that have to do with lifelong learning? What it has to do with is some of you in here are heart decision makers. Some of you are here, you're head decision makers. Now, I'm not criticizing either. I'm making the point that for you to be a lifelong learner, let's say, for example, you're a heart decision maker, then you need to learn how to incorporate the head into it. 
I remember a man told me last time, and this is uh, last time, many years ago, I was trying to make a business decision on a real estate deal. This real estate deal, I'm not telling you numbers to try to impress you. I'm just telling you the truth, okay? This is what happened. I had a real estate deal, and this particular one, the specific real estate deal, was a $15 million deal, one deal. And I was doing this deal, and, and of course, when you're, when you're trying to get what we call a cap rate, in other words, you're trying to get a return where you want it to be on these kind of investments, there's certain things that you spend money on, there's certain things you don't spend money on. And you do that so, that so that in the process you get a good return on where you're going and you still have a good investment. So that's pretty simple, right? So I called a fellow investor of mine in real estate and I said to him, man, this one thing, he was a, he was a brother in Christ, a strong Christian. And I said to him, I said, man, this one thing is driving me crazy. I said, everybody I've had come up here and look at this. I said, man, I've got like six bids on this and every one of them are crazy. And I remember he got real silent on the, because I was going to, my whole investment parameters of this deal were going down the tube in a hurry because of the level of cost. And I'm thinking, boy, I don't know what to do. And I've done, had done quite a few deals at that time. And I remember he got quiet on the phone and he said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, real simple. I said, yeah, talking about being a lifelong learner. He said, have you gone up there and looked at that yourself? I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm asking, did you get on the ladder? Now, this is not a house. This is a big commercial building. And you don't have, we didn't have ladders. I had to go at that time, had to walk the steps and, and go up the roof access. And he said, have you gone up there and opened that stuff up in all of those deals and looked at that yourself? I said, no. He said, well, do me a favor, go up there and look, and then come and call me back, because he knew what I was talking about. So I get up there, and I go up there, you know, and I'm going, I don't want to do this. This is a waste of time. I've had six bids. True story. I got up there, and I started looking, and I located this little bitty part that was missing. And I went around to some of the others, and I looked, and about half of them, they had it. The other half, they didn't. And, and I called him back, and I said, man, it looks like it's just this part. He said, Call and go buy three of those parts, put them in three different places. That, that These were all huge units. These were massive units. And you could walk in them. And he said, you go get those little parts, Chris. And I went and got these. It wasn't a fuse, but it was something else, a little transistor part. I went and got them. Went and had, to, had to go to a special place and get them, brought them back, cranked it up, and all three of those units worked. I went and bought that little part again everywhere. And these bids were astronomical. I mean, we were in the heavy six figures to just try to get this to work. And I fixed that whole thing because I went up there and did personal observation because a friend of mine mentored me to do that and I saved myself right at a million bucks. Now, that's what I caught. The next time something like that came up, which it did several other times, I promise you I got on the ladder and went look for myself. So the point is you got to be a lifelong learner in all those things where you are and what you're doing. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exists to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running. Please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.